0: Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I'm your host here every week, and we bring you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you're in the real estate market, or if you're not, if you're just looking for decorating or improvement ideas for your home, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, Mortgage Broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. J.P. Sellas, Insurance Advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the Whole Home, she- Whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. Uh, It's been my pleasure being your host here every week for the last five years and over 270 episodes. Um, But you know, this is a fun job for me. My day job is still helping people buy and sell real estate here since 1991. If you're looking for advice and you want to talk about what's going on out there in the marketplace, do not hesitate to reach out to me. You can find my contact information or the rest of the whole home show team members by visiting cfax1070.com. When you look under shows, you'll find us on the weekends, the whole home show with me, Tony, Joe. All of our contact information is there. Or just reach out to me, as many of you do every week. We love hearing from our loyal CFAX members. Uh, And as a reminder too, if you're a podcast listener, you can download any of our 270 episodes uh, by going to iTunes or Google Play. Tons of great information there, uh, including maybe timely things that you're looking for right now. Perhaps we recorded three or four years ago. We've had so many great guests here over the years. Speaking of great guests, I am thrilled and excited to have our guest today because you see, we're still in the middle of Chinese New Year. Now, I know some of you are thinking wasn't that january 22nd this year well sure it is but you know unlike uh, the western culture where it's january the first and we got one day the chinese do it right 15 days so it is still new year's all the way through to february the 5th and as a result wanted to talk today um not just about the chinese culture but about a lot of the history here in victoria and our guests are Charlene Thurton, Joe, and John Adams. Uh, you know, what? we're going to jump straight into conversation because there's so much that I want to cover with uh, both of these guests. Uh, welcome both of you for coming.
0: Thanks for
2: having me yeah thanks for having us and happy new year's
1: gong hai yeah. choy. gong hai choy, of course now full disclosure everyone and i know many of you know as well charlene thornton joe not only just recently retired from 20 years uh very actively on victoria city council she's also my cousin as well too so we go back both of our fathers were born and raised uh in in and around chinatown right absolutely Yeah, and John Adams, of course, everyone knows John. We've had John on our program many times over the years. Uh, He has discovered the past. Uh, We often have him here during Halloween talking about some of the ghostly tours that he does, but it's so much more than that. Uh, He is a local historian. Uh, I do want to call out right now the book that he's written. It's Chinese Victoria, A Long and Difficult Journey, uh, over 460 pages hardcover uh john um actually let's start by talking about the book uh tell us about um what it's all about
0: well i love to talk about the book so that, thanks for asking me to talk about it um and yes a lot of people think of me as the ghost guy and we do lots of ghost tours but i really am a historian so the um chinese victorious so was something i started many many years ago when i was doing history tours in chinatown and somebody said why don't you start why don't you write a, a book about Chinatown well there were a few anyway I thought I'd write something that was maybe 100 pages and <laughs> I didn't expect it was going to end up being 500 anyway it's out and so the the, the history of Chinatown is fascinating and I thought I knew something about it being a, a general historian but no I found out lots and lots more and there's still tons to find out that I didn't on earth and all the time in fact the, just this morning I, I had somebody saying oh look there's my there's my father-in-law and I had no idea and family histories all over the place, and that's what I've tried to combine, including the family history of both of you, um, to include many stories about people, what they were doing here, why they came originally, but more importantly, how they got along over many, many years. The Chinese first came here in 1858, long before anyone today will remember, but nonetheless, there are fabulous stories to tell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's people were coming to Golden Mountain, right? We'll be talking more about that. People uh, chasing their uh, uh, their dreams. Uh, Charlene, uh, again, for, for both of us, it's interesting. I mean, we have both served people that are new to the community. And Victoria mm-hmm. remains a fantastic place for, you know, new immigrants, new residents. Um, you know, John's talking here about people that came here 160 years ago, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, and I just also want to say kudos to John's uh, book, I've just heard rave reviews, I love it, I love the photographs and tell so much of the story of the Chinese uh, Chinese history. And, of course, uh, mentions our, our family, which have a long history in our community. And with Chinese New Year's, one uh, of the top, a lot of questions when people want to know a little bit more about their fortune for the New Year's, uh, quite a few people said, is this the year that I'll be able to buy a new home? And so I thought <laughs> I'd share that with you, uh, because they want to know what their prospects of buying a new home for this year.
1: Well, okay, so let's talk about that for a second, because we're in the year of the rabbit, right? So what does that tell people? Yes.
2: Well definitely is it's a more calm year than last year. The last year was the year of the tiger. So it's uh, more peaceful. you got to be a little bit cautious. Uh, but if you're if you're cautious and uh, make good decisions, it should be a good year uh, pretty well for all the the uh, uh, signs in this Chinese zodiac. But I, as I mentioned, people were coming up and saying, you know for my sign, is it a good year for this is it a good year for that? But I was amazed by how many asked about the prospect of buying a new home. Oh. So I should have sent them to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, sure. Um, Speaking of the Chinese calendar, it's interesting because some people think, they go, okay, well, it's 2023, so I'm year of the rabbit. Well, Chinese New Year is January 22nd. So a lot of people, they don't quite realize that if their birthday is January the 5th, they're not a rabbit. They were a tiger because of the way the calendar lands, right?
2: Yeah, as, yeah. When I when people ask me uh, what their zodiac sign is, it's important that uh, not not only that I get the year, but to ensure that they weren't born in January or early February because uh, it it goes by the lunar calendar. So their New Year may actually start uh, past their birthday or before their birthday, and that may change the zodiac sign. People come up and say, "I thought I was the year of the sheep for yeah. all my life, and now I find I I'm not." So <laughs> exactly. Yes.
1: Um, there are some things, of course, that are uh, uh, cultural with Chinese New Year that we like telling people about. Uh, let the listeners know about some things that the Chinese do during uh, New Year's. There are some traditions.
2: Yeah, well, we laugh sometimes in that there's so many things we are not allowed to do more <laughs> than we do. What, what we do is we eat and eat and eat and we socialize with family and friends. Uh, that's the most important. And, and we love to wear the color red because it brings good luck. Uh, but of course, during the first day of the New Year, we, you know, we we try not to sweep floors, we try not to use scissors or knives, we don't wash our hair, uh, all because uh, we don't want to wash away our, our luck. And I know John knows a lot. He did a uh, presentation on Chinese New Year's and all the things we do and don't do, but uh, you know it's it's a it's a definitely a time to do uh, things uh, that that bring you close to your family, and that's why Chinese New Year often lasts so long, is because sometimes it means that you have to travel uh, to see some of those family members.
0: Well, so- I know some of the theories of Chinese New Year, such as you have to clean your house before Chinese New Year, otherwise you sweep out the the good luck and so on, but. I just know it by theory, but Charlene, I know because I saw her just before January the 22nd. She was taking this to heart. And at the Chinese Canadian Museum in Fantan Alley, she and a group of volunteers had pulled apart all the showcases. They had dusted everything. They'd vacuumed. They even repainted the floor. They were taking this to heart. And they were going to make sure that everything was spick and span, ready for New Year's on January the 22nd. Yeah,
1: And again, the trick is to do that before New Year's, right? Not to do it on New Year's.
2: Yes. Yeah. And we're supposed to have all our debts paid before uh, Chinese New Year's, which uh, in all my adult year, I've never been able to achieve that.
1: <laughs> yes, of course. We're having a fantastic conversation today about the history of the Chinese here in Victoria dating back to 1858 our guests are John Adams and Charlene Thurton Joe need to take our first break of the day here but when we're gonna when we come back we're gonna be talking more about the history um again dating back 160 years and uh, I'm gonna tell you along with Charlene all about the Chinese Canadian Museum in Fantan Alley which hopefully you visited because if you have not yet we want to make sure you get there. So, uh, again, it's Chinese New Year right now until February the 5th of this year. Gong Hei Fa Choi to all of you. I uh, need to take our break here. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're having a conversation today about the Chinese community in Victoria. And we're not just talking about the gate of harmonious interest. We're not just talking about Chinatown in and of itself, which incidentally is the oldest Chinatown in Canada. It's the second oldest in North America, only to San Francisco. And most of you, I hope, know about Fantan Alley, which is the narrowest street. Uh, Charlene, um, remind me, narrowest street in Canada? in
2: Canada? Because there's actual addresses in Fantan Alley. Yes. And of course, Fantan uh, Alley is named after a popular game that used to be played.
1: Fantastic. Um, having a conversation, of course, with Charlene Thornton-Joe and John uh, Adams. I want to uh, talk right now about the Chinese Canadian Museum, which is coming up on its first anniversary. Uh, uh, both of you tell us about uh, first of all, tell us about it and tell us how about how it all started.
2: John, do you want to do
0: that piece? I'll I'll start in, but I think you've got lots more to add. (laughs) So it it began uh, as an idea about five years ago, and uh, a group of people uh, pulled together by the provincial government in Vancouver began talking about the idea of a Chinese-Canadian museum for British Columbia that would be centered in Vancouver, but would have contacts all over the province. And so they they started a society the chinese canadian museum society they now have a building which will open up on july the first in vancouver's chinatown but about a year and a half ago the opportunity came up uh, to actually open a facility in victoria of course it makes sense because as you've said victoria is the oldest chinatown in canada it's a national historic site and but it's it's a smaller chinatown today compared to vancouver's and so a lot of people tend to forget about Victoria's historical importance. And so a space became available in Fantanale, and the Chinese Canadian Museum said, yes, we would love to uh, sponsor this. And so it's actually their museum, but with a huge amount of input uh, from people from Victoria. So there's another group in Victoria called the Victoria Chinatown Museum Society. It's kind of confusing, but the basis is there is a museum in Fantanale that is telling the story of Chinese in Canada, and most importantly, Uh, some of their stories here in Victoria, going back to the gold rush of 1858, and then the railway and so many other aspects of the history right up almost to the present day.
1: Charlene, tell our listeners what they can expect when they walk into the museum.
2: Well, and and just to add to John's uh, comments, it it really started in 2014 when the provincial government issued an official apology to Chinese Canadians for hardships and I really was uh, seeing being there for that moment and seeing my father your uncle uh, hear this was very moving uh, and then they had some consultation as John mentioned to see what Chinese Canadians wanted and we, and we wanted our story told and we're very fortunate uh, two things that uh, we have John Adams as our curator, uh, which has been amazing. And also, that we have tremendous volunteers. And Tony, you're one of our volunteers as well. <laughs> yes. Um, and, my, and my position is the visitor experience and facilities coordinator. And what we've tried to do is to, to tell the story of Victoria Chinese uh, Canadians and uh, their experience, uh, why they came, the gold rush, uh, the railway, um, building of the railway. Some of the memories, the restaurants, the food, um, the first, the first doctor, the first nurse, those that paved the way uh, for us to have opportunities, our veterans that gave us the right to vote. And so it is, it is a, I guess, a quick snapshot in that small but so wonderful space of the history of Victoria's Chinatown and as well as about Chinese culture.
1: I want to make sure our listeners know, uh, again, it's in Fantan Alley, uh, and it is free. So admission by donation. And of course, donations always help an organization like this. Um, presently, the hours, Charlene, are?
2: Yeah, presently, it's Sunday, uh, sorry, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday from mm-hmm. 11 to 5. Yeah. And then in the summers, we add Monday as well. We also open Monday Stat holidays, so we will be open on family day this year.
1: Uh, It's very interesting, folks, you know, again, if you're, if you're, if you haven't being by to have a look, it does tell the story about uh, the gold rush in uh, 1858. There's also uh, artifacts and, and pieces, things that came from people's homes. And it's really interesting just looking at how people lived before uh, relative to now. And uh, as Charlene mentioned, you know, and John mentioned as well, too, some of the businesses. Loixing, uh Loising Co. is the longest continuous running uh, Chinese business in North America, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's difficult to believe. But yes, in Victoria, we have the oldest continuously operating Chinese business still going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the old days, because, of course, it looks very different now. In fact, the streets are different because it wasn't uh, Johnson Street before. Right. Um, uh, it was Cormorant or whatever. Like uh, there's been a lot of changes over the years.
2: Yeah. Pandora. Pandora. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Cormorant used to go through basically through Centennial Square and down to Pandora towards, uh, I guess, the bridge. Um, But that was called Lower Cormorant. And uh, yeah. And John can elaborate a little bit more of where the, where the housing and shanty huts and why it was located there. Yeah.
0: Well, that was actually the, the first main street of Chinatown, Lower Cormorant Street or Pandora Avenue, right beside Market Square. In fact, there's a wonderful photograph taken where Market Square is of wooden buildings. They look a bit rickety, people look at them. And then they were replaced in the 1880s by the brick buildings that are there now at Market Square. And that's really where it began. They had a small farm and then they kept coming. They expanded out to Fisgard Street and then to Harold Street and to Chatham Street and all the way up to Douglas Street. Chinatown was eight city blocks, but uh, it really started off on Cormorant Street or Pandora Avenue. And people tend to forget about that because there are currently no Chinese businesses left on Pandora Avenue. There's one building that is still owned by a Chinese organization, the Hoi Sun Ning Young Benevolent Association for people who came from an area in the southern province of Guangdong. But if you walk along that block of Pandora Avenue, you'll see some Chinese signs left over from the old days, but no Chinese businesses. Over to Fiscard Street, and you'll find lots of them, plus lots of other businesses as well. That's one of the important things about Chinatown in Victoria, it's not dead. It's not just a museum piece. It's vibrant. It's still alive. And there are very few empty storefronts. It's, it's a bustling place. Yeah,
1: And in days past, there was a lot of families that lived in the area, uh, unlike right now, right? Like that's where the concentration of the Chinese population lived, right?
0: At first, it was mostly young men who came to support their families back in China. But eventually, some women did come and there were families here. Uh, Difficult because of an Exclusion Act in 1923, so it was difficult to bring family members here. But there were some families here. But eventually, by the 1920s and 30s, a lot of those families decided they would move out not too far away, near Central Park, in the Fernwood and and areas around Victoria High School. And uh, they would have a garden, they could have a, a yard, Kids could go to a, a good school and things like that, um. And by the nineteen sixties and seventies, a lot of the families, most of the families, had moved out of Chinatown.
1: Yeah, uh, Charlene, our our family, uh, the family house was on Princess Avenue, right?
2: Yes, sir, we were the perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least uh, my, my father. You're- uncle was born in chinatown and we had a uh, our grandfather had a shoe store in chinatown and and ran some of the gambling establishments there and <laughs> then we uh, the family moved to around the princess avenue area that uh, john mentioned and for my father when he got married my mom and dad they moved to north park uh, right across from the curling rink um and then of course many of our families uh, in the 60s moved to to gordon head um, and it's it's funny, I did want to, at one time I was looking at a condominium in Chinatown and told my father, And my father said, we worked all our lives to get us out of Chinatown and you want to move back in? <laughs> well, well, now I, I am still looking at the locations in Chinatown. There's some great condominiums uh, that are are in the area. And so I may still work my way back to Chinatown.
1: Yeah, what a story that is. It's true because... Um, there was that outward migration in Saanich you know all all the families moved out to Saanich and and that's uh, that's what happened we're having a conversation today about uh, the Chinese in Victoria and we'll be talking more in a moment about Chinese Victoria a long and difficult journey uh, written by John Adams who's our guest today historian Uh, also Charlene Thurton-Joe talking about the Chinese Canadian uh, Museum there's a lot of history to talk about Um, And Charlene and I, uh, of course, we go back. uh, Our dads are brothers. So, um, you know, just trying to think about the way life was in those days, very different than it is right now, but here for a long time. Need to take another break right now. Uh, When we come back, we'll be picking up conversation. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, JP Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Bove. If you need help in your real estate transaction, give any of The Whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. You can find their contact information by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under shows to find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe, or just reach out to us. We love hearing from you every single week. We are having a conversation today. I'm taking you back in time, 160 years, 1858. That's when the Chinese came here to Victoria. Many of them were seeking their treasures during the gold rush, but there's a lot of history and a lot of stories to tell. And that's the reason why we have with us today, historian John Adams and also Charlene Thornton-Joe, who many of you are familiar with. Both of you, again, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, The uh, you know, something Charlene that you had mentioned uh before the last break is uh 2014, the provincial government um righted historic wrongs, they called it, right? Uh I was there as well, too. I guess a question that maybe some people would have is what wrongs are you talking about? So let's just let's cover that for a moment here. What was the government writing?
2: Well, John, did you? Well, well I there, guess a, for- the,
0: the the list is very, very long, but the, <laughs> the, the main the main ones were 1885 a head tax imposed only on Chinese immigrants. You had to pay fifty bucks if you were coming to Canada,
1: which would been a lot of money that. back then,
0: right? It was a lot of money, and then it went up in the early 1900s to hundred dollars and five hundred dollars. That was that was more than a year's wage, and it was supposed to discourage Chinese from coming, but they kept coming anyway. And so in 1923 pressed by some of the labor unions and other groups after world war one and when there was a bit of an economic slump uh returning soldiers white soldiers said hey they're taking our jobs the arguments that have been used many times against the chinese and by for other people too but in 1923 so exactly 100 years ago coming up on july the first this year the canadian government enacted the chinese exclusion act and it wasn't just trying to convince Chinese not to come, it was actually banning them from coming to Canada. And that was on the books till 1947. So that's one of the reasons why there was an apology. They got rid of the Act in 1947, but there were lots of things like that. But the Chinese Exclusion Act 100 years ago was probably the worst of all.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's not to mention things like voting rights, right? Um, The Chinese were also not able to vote, right?
0: That's right. Right. Some provinces did allow Chinese to vote. uh, But in B.C. 1947, the year that the Exclusion Act was lifted, Chinese did not have the vote until then.
1: That's interesting. You just reminded me it's uh, 100 years. It'll be 100 years. Very interesting because you know um, somewhat related but not not necessarily directly. You know here we are today, January first, twenty twenty three, and the federal government talking about banning the purchase of properties uh, by foreign buyers. You know we, we understand it, like we understand what the thinking is, but my goodness, it's kind of like a rehash of what happened in the what happened in the past happens again almost,
0: almost. But you know um, Chinese in in British Columbia, were allowed to own land. There's a bit of a myth in the States, certainly nearby Washington, Oregon, even California, Chinese were not allowed to, to own land for a long time. But in British Columbia, in spite of all the, the discrimination, Chinese here did own land. Um, there were many examples of, of Chinese who owned an, a house, a, a building, a farm. Um, there were restrictions, for example, in uplands. Uh, it wasn't just Chinese. It was many minority groups were not allowed.
1: Oh, to, oh actually, let's let's property. just let's touch on that one just for a moment, because this is real estate related. Um, folks, every once in a while, when we pull up a title on a property, specifically in the uplands, sometimes places in Saanich, if you can believe it, there is an old covenant that is often in place that says no one of Asian or um, First Nations descent may purchase property in this area. And every once in a while, we see that <laughs> you, you can't believe it.
0: Well, you know, it—it it was unfortunately uh, there, and not just here, but in other places too. But it wasn't just Asians and First Nations; it was Black people, yeah, Jews. Um, it was a, a very white dominant uh, place that they wanted to create in, in Uplands. Um, but we talked earlier about Loy Singh, that old butcher shop on Fiskard Street, the oldest continuously operating Chinese business in North America. And Mr. Sam, who ran the place, in 1948, bought a house on Rutland. Yeah, in the uplands. In the uplands. He was the first one. His neighbors were not happy, but he got away with it. And then he almost flaunted, he built a bought a bigger house around the corner on Beach Drive. Um, but that was he was paving the way, but it was not really. Uh, done before that at all. So there must have been a lot of good money in in his butcher shop, I I must admit. Um, (laughs) And and, uh, I think it was Charlene's dad who told me, well, he also had a gambling table at the back. (laughs) Uh, That probably brought him some income as well. But uh, things changed, but very slowly.
1: Well, it's interesting, you know, because we have people that bump into these covenants every once in a while and, you know, people rightly get offended. Oh my goodness, you know, why aren't all of these things removed? Um, Our listeners should know that when these things do come up on title, they are removed on the transfer of registration to a new owner. People often wonder why the government doesn't just do a blanket removal of all these things. Uh, That would take a, a lot of effort going through every single title. It is easier presently for these things just to change one registration changes so um just you know uh uh, rest assured that it gets handled and it's just amazing that we even do see those things in existence because you know it's not that long ago we're not talking you know 500 years or a thousand years ago you know many of these things are just 60 years old or 100 years old right Mm -hmm.
2: yeah And, and uh you know being on council and working with and john will be able to elaborate uh with some of the heritage buildings uh when there's a statement of significance there have been times where i have read that this, for example this is a uh, a laundromat or did laundry and in the line it said uh, no chinese workers ever touched your laundry or or oh. it was a hotel where they guaranteed that uh that there were no chinese workers and that would meant that it was more important or 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 you know, more prestigious because they, they didn't allow Chinese employees. Uh, but I know John could probably elaborate more on that.
0: Well, you know, the not not all white people were racists, um, but there were lots that were, obviously. But whenever there was a big push to for white labor only or something like that, it kind of backfired, because, and it's been proven that the the, the Chinese people here who ran laundries. Um, who worked in the brickyards, who worked in the sawmills, who made shoes and all sorts of things worked well. The products were good quality. And so the white managers kept on hiring them because they knew it was good for business. And so I think that there were people that were hoping that that wouldn't happen, but the, the white employers just kept going back and back to the Chinese because they knew that they were going to get good value for their money, but also the quality of their work. Workmanship was going to be great. Mm-hmm.
1: um charlene had mentioned a moment ago our grandfather uh, owned a shoe store this actually it's, it's funny because whenever we walk by it's a tattoo parlor now um on government street but uh, that was the family uh family business for many a year right
2: Yes, and and Tony, I don't know if you know it was located on Fiskar Street uh, at one point or the shoe store that our grandfather took over. Um, the apparently the story is is that the owner of the shoe store decided to return to China and said, um, you know, before I sell my shoe store, I'm gonna see if the family upstairs that lives upstairs. Uh, would like to take over the shoe store and he approached our grandfather and said you know you have a family and i, I would be happy to sell it to you and um and, and teach you the business and my gra- and our grandfather said no he didn't have the money um but when he talked to our grandmother our grandmother went into her room took out an old t- you know coffee tin or some kind of tin and counted out some money that she had been saving and it was enough to take uh, to purchase the business and that's how uh, our family got into the shoemaking business. And they, and they at that time, then they move over to Government Street where the tattoo shop is.
1: Yeah, you know, stories like that, you know, um, it's amazing. Nowadays, there's all, you know, hardship. And yeah, there is hardship for people. I think it is often forgotten. There was hardship for people back then as well, too. You know, Mm -hmm. we're talking a long time ago. We're having a conversation today uh, about the Chinese community here in Victoria. Of course, I am Chinese, just in case you're wondering, folks. I have an interest, obviously. Uh, Our guests today are my cousin, Charlene Thornton-Joe, and also local historian John Adams. Uh, Need to take our last break of the day today here, but when we come back, we're going to start talking about his book, Chinese Victoria, A Long and Difficult Journey. Back in just a moment.
0: This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. It's Chinese New Year, folks. We have just entered the year of the rabbit. Yes, I know what you're thinking. I thought Chinese New Year was January 22nd. Well, you're right but it also lasts 15 days. So by the time you're listening to this, it is still Chinese New Year, just nearing the end. It's basically two weeks of family celebrations. Uh, It has been fantastic for me. I have been so pleased that uh, COVID, um, well, our health conditions now enable us to get out there and have banquets together, which I've done with friends and family. I know many of you, even non-Chinese, have enjoyed uh, Chinese New Year, as you should there's so much uh, to enjoy and so much to know about uh our guests today are charlene thartan joe and also john adams uh we've been talking a little bit about the chinese canadian museum uh again charlene let's remind our listeners where it is
2: uh, yes it's in fantan alley the uh, skinniest street in canada and we're at number 10 and number 14 fantan alley so come in and see us and uh, we're open thursday friday saturday sunday from 11 o'clock to five o'clock and in- We'll be there. I'll be there to greet you as you come in the door.
1: Yeah, and admission by donation. And don't forget to grab your little candy on the way out the door. We got those white rabbits and the little uh, red candies. Uh, I say we, by the way, Charlene had mentioned earlier, uh, it's run by volunteers. I love hanging out there. I'm a volunteer, you know, a couple times a month. You can catch me down there on a Sunday afternoon. Nothing like, you know, um, just being part of that community. community and uh, just speaking with people about uh, our history, uh, Charlene, you and I, Mm -hmm. uh, growing up uh, in town and all the families. There are photographs uh, dating back years. Uh, John had mentioned before people coming in and saying, hey, that's my dad, or I know that person or things like that, right?
2: Yeah, definitely brings up the memories. And of course, one of the main memories that uh, people have of their childhood often revolves around food. So we talk about restaurants and some of the great restaurants and and uh, memories that we have uh and there's display cases re- around that as well
0: yeah some of the old menus are, are fascinating uh, prices uh, a full supper for a dollar 50 and and things like that and some of some of the restaurants of course don't exist anymore but many of them have have morphed into some of the restaurants in Chinatown today and uh, i think uh, for, for for chinese new year uh, this past week or so um, there have been samples of some Chinese New Year treats uh, I know uh last weekend lychee Chi and uh, Nian gao, a special Chinese it looks like kind of like a pumpkin pie but there were small slices of that that were available and and lots of other goodies what, what have you got lined up uh this week Charlotte
2: yeah um well as you mentioned we had we we did that we had of course uh, some tasty foods uh, uh but this Saturday the Chinese public school are gonna the students are gonna and teachers are coming down and they'll write your name in chinese so if you've uh, wanted to know what your chinese name might have been or might be uh, come on down and they'll be there from 2 to 4 and you tell them your name and they'll write it in chinese so you'll have your own chinese name
1: listen folks you're, you, because we pre-record this you're listening to this right now noon on saturday so what that means yeah. is if you're in your car Take a detour right now and head your way towards Chinatown. Head to the uh, museum, uh, like you said, Charlie. Between two and four, Kalisa and the gang we will be writing your
2: name in Chinese. Yeah, that's very exciting. <laughs> last time um, we did it, last time we did it, we had a, a large crowd, and I tell you, we've been having lots of large crowds lately, especially during the Chinese New Year season.
0: Well, and because it's the year of the rabbit, you might just run into some strange creatures in Fantan Alley, <laughs> guiding you toward the museum door. <laughs> I understand, Charlene, that you've dressed up some of your volunteers as large rabbits. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you'll never, never know what you'll find down there.
2: Yes, yes. Any Anything we can do to uh, teach people a little bit about Chinese history and culture and, and have some fun as well. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I want
1: to say there is significance, too. Um, you know, what's interesting because we talked about hardship and we talked about, you know, history and, you know, uh, scrimping to save money to buy a business and things like that. I mean, these are stories that are not indifferent from today. Right. The struggles that people had, you know, before I can't sometimes I can't imagine uh, people leaving their families in their home country to have a better life. Um, there are struggles. There have been struggles Um it's never been easy to be able to continue to tell the story um and then see what has happened here locally. I mean, we, our first Chinese mayor, Alan Lowe, right? Um uh and then we had Ed Lum, who was a mayor of Saanich many years ago. There's many uh distinguished individuals uh here in Greater Victoria. Um, you know, had they not been able, had their families not been able to immigrate here, the the our history would be very different here.
2: Mm -hmm. And even going back, even uh, earlier, Douglas Jung, uh, who was born in Victoria, our first uh, member of parliament as well. Yeah,
0: that wasn't until the 1950s. He grew up in Victoria. He served in World War II um, in the army, um, came back 1947. Chinese and British Columbia got the vote. And well, he jumped right in. And he studied law at UBC and became the first chinese canadian member of parliament but that wasn't until the mid-1950s and you know that, that's within living memory for, for many many people but yes well, there there are right.
1: houses out there that are that are that age that people live in right it's not that long ago it's amazing um we also have veterans right Charlie? a lot of veterans well actually there's they're few and far between now but we had a lot of veterans uh from here who served during the war yes so um
2: there are veterans of course folks like my dad who were born in Victoria that were not considered Canadian uh, and they enlisted and uh, some of them were sent overseas uh, my father was in your your uncle was in basic training when the war ended in Saskatchewan um, it, yeah. yeah so um, it wasn't until after that that they got the right to vote it's yeah, yeah. so incredible it, it, it's not that long ago yeah you
0: well, know there, just- there were, there were- there, were lots of, there was a big debate in Chinatown, should they serve or not? Yeah. And because they weren't allowed to vote, some said to heck with it. We're not going to serve because the Canadian government is not allowing us full rights of citizenship. And some of those wouldn't serve. But there were others that said, well, OK, we don't have the right to vote. But if we serve our country, maybe they will change their minds and realize that we're really just as good as everybody else and give us the vote because we have served. And, and and in the end, uh, quite a few did uh, serve in the armed forces um, in, in in World War II.
1: So, John, as a as a historian, what do these things teach us, or or, or what should what should our next generations think about moving forward?
0: Well, I think uh, when people are walking through a place like Chinatown in Victoria today, it's a vibrant place. There's lots of interesting stuff to see, and. Uh, the Gate of Harmonious Interest and all the, the beautiful trees and the lampposts and so on um, make people think that, isn't this a wonderful place? It's always been like this. But um, if you stop and look at a little cairn, a stone cairn right next to the Gate of Harmonious Interest, right next to Kwan Lee's Wall, um, it. It is from 1917, or 2017, sorry. And it commemorates something that Charlene had mentioned earlier, the apology, the official apology made by the BC government, unanimous in 2014, but it's the juxtaposition of that and what's all around. And I think that's probably one of the most important things to remember that, okay, this this stuff was happening and it's not gonna happen again, hopefully. And so I think those are important things to remember. And, and, and it wasn't just Chinese, it was many other people that were being officially discriminated against as well. But I think that the Chinese stand out because they were the only ones specifically included in that Chinese Exclusion Act of 1923
1: um let's touch on your book here john again you had talked about the fact that it uh, I, I have told you the story many times because over the years you've said i'm working on a book and i really thought that you're working on a you know a paperback a, a little book but when it came i'm holding it right now uh my goodness it is it is a fantastic coffee table book uh, folks i would i would encourage you um to run out and find it speaking of which uh, uh charlene and john where can people find the book
0: well, um, it's, it's in a couple of local bookstores, Boland's okay. uh, and Monroe's. I can mention those, um, or uh, you can, you can buy it directly from me as well. Um, but uh, if, if your local bookstore doesn't have it, mention it to them. Hopefully they'll give a call, but uh, it, it is available for sure.
1: Yeah. Speaking um, of which, before I forget, and I will put it on the, uh, the show notes on the CFAX 1070 website, uh, discoverthepast.com discoverthepast.com is uh, John's website. Um, it's, a, it's a sizable book. It is, uh, as we said, it's about 500 pages. Uh, you have curated, you've, 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 uh, collected photos from the community. There's hundreds of photos here, right?
0: Well, I ended up counting them. There are over 800. Wow. And, uh, and there, there's lots of words as well. So you'll, you can read the history. You can look at the pictures and the captions or both. And, uh, I didn't expect many people would actually go through it. From cover to cover but i've had a couple of people tell me they did they actually start at the beginning and flip through it and and read the whole thing cover to cover i do advise people though uh that because it's so heavy don't read it in bed (laughs) 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 you'll you'll break your nose if you fall asleep and it drops but
2: yeah, not, not, and I would say uh, for me it's not a coffee table book, but a, a important reference book. Yeah. And I I only wish uh, John that uh, my father was still around because he would be going through every single page with his magnifying glass and and it would just trigger so many stories for him that he would just probably go on and on and on. So um, yeah, I, I just wish he was here to to have seen the book come out. Well, so, he
0: provided so much information. It was
1: it was great. Oh yes, yeah, lots of history there. Now, listen, folks. Uh, I just want to describe this to you because I'm holding the book right now, and you know, I have not read this uh, cover cover. What I will say, John, is uh, it's the kind of book where every time I open it, it's a new page that I haven't explored yet, and it's a new story, uh, and I think it's fantastic. Right now, I'm looking at a page, um, uh, and it shows pictures of the uh, G duck. Tong building, which some of you will be familiar with. is 600 block Fiskard Street. And in your book here, you've got a modern-day photograph of the building and a photograph from uh, 1959. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of this comparing these buildings before and currently. Uh, and I think many of us don't realize the history that a lot of these buildings have uh, in Chinatown. And there's, there's many stories to tell, right?
0: There are lots and lots of stories. You know, I, I worked on this for, for years, and 800 photographs seems like a lot, but I run into so many people and they've said, oh, why didn't you ask me? I've got a drawer full of photographs. Oh, there's my grandfather and so-and-so. And so I know there are huge numbers of stories out there, many families that I didn't contact, perhaps not even living in, in the greater Victoria area, um, but um, there are lots of stories that have not yet been collected and told. So if any of the listeners, Tony, are, are listening to this today, And they say, oh, well, we've got some stories to tell, Uh, perhaps uh, get in touch with the Chinese Canadian Museum in Fantan Alley, and uh, and offer to tell your stories, or perhaps you've got some items that that might be uh, useful for a future display.
2: Exactly. Um, Firstly, I'm looking forward to volume two of John's book. (laughs) But uh, it's amazing the amount of people that come in now and say, do you want some photographs or uh, do you want some items like the old safe from Don Me restaurant, uh, the old sign from one of the gambling establishments. So, uh, you know, we really rely on people bringing these things in instead of um, putting them, you know, in a dumpster. Uh, those those are the memories and the things that we need to preserve and keep and tell the story about.
1: And that's what the Chinese Canadian Museum is all about. Thank you both for joining us today. We have Charlene Thornton-Joe, who you will see down at the Chinese Canadian Museum in Fantan Alley. And also John Adams. He's the author of Chinese Victoria a long and difficult journey. Be sure to find that or visit discoverthepast.com. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having us. And to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.